Hello and welcome to Autism in conversation with Auticon, a new podcast from Auticon, a global IT consultancy whose consultants are all autistic. This brand new series is designed to help raise awareness of what it means to be autistic through fascinating conversations. Hosted by me, Carrie Grant, each episode will feature interviews with leading voices on autism, including figures from the business world, autistic social media influencers, and autism academics alike. We'll be talking about the many benefits of hiring neurodiverse talent through to some of the more common challenges faced by autistic adults navigating the workplace. All my four children are neurodivergent, so this is a subject very close to my heart. I'm really looking forward to facilitating some great conversations about autism and hopefully learning some new things along the way. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Autism in Conversation with Auticon. This time, the panel and I will be talking about depictions of autism in the media. And by media, we mean fictional media. From Oscar award-winning Hollywood movie Rain Man, through to the more recent representations in soap operas and documentaries, we'll be talking about what it means to see autism displayed across the big and small screens, literature and beyond. Are depictions of autism a good or a bad thing in the media? Maybe both. And what are the longer term repercussions? And what does this mean in areas of real life, such as in in our instance, the workplace, which is really what we're talking about here on these podcasts? Joining me to discuss these points are Dan Jones, founder of YouTube channel The Aspie World, Ella Tab, who's also more commonly known on their social media channels as Purple Ella, Tylan Grant, the Hollyoaks actor who happens to be one of my children, and Connor Ward, who's an autistic speaker, consultant and social media content creator. So first up, can we talk? I mean, we have to talk about Rain Man, guys. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I can't imagine that any of you are going to say, I'm so pleased that film was made. Is there anyone out there amongst you guys that feels positively about Rayman? Dan, you're kind of giving me the thumbs up. Fire away. Do you, do you know, okay, let me, let me just put this out there. Rayman is a fantastic movie. And if you're looking for a movie to talk about Savant Syndrome, it's fantastic. And that's it. But when people compare Savant Syndrome to autism in the, in the, in the respect of like 80% of the autistic people around there who, you know, in the, in, in, out there in the world who are not Savant, then it has no comparison. So yes, Rayman's a great movie and I've seen it and it's fantastic. It's heartwarming and everyone cries at the end. It's great. Tom Cruise, I love it. But it is not autism representative. And, but, and this is the biggest thing. So it's not a problem with the movie. I'd like to say that I don't have a problem with the movie. I have a problem with its relationship to autism. You know what I mean? That's a really good point, Dan. I would love to know from the rest of you, let's go uh, over to Ella. What has the impact of Rain Man had on your life, would you say? Uh, Rain Man is a fantastic movie, but the fact that whenever I meet someone and say that I'm autistic, the first point that their brain goes to is Rain Man, is is the issue with Rain Man. And it's not because of the fact that Rain Man exists, it's the, because of the fact that there's a lack of other representation of different types of uh, presentations of autism or what that might look like out there for people to access. I think the other issue with Rain Man is that it was made at a time when people were not necessarily... Um, consulting with autistic people, working with autistic people, or like using the voice of autistic people to influence the, the writing of and presentation of characters, let alone working with autistic actors to play those characters. So it's just kind of of its time in a way. 
it's just a legacy that's a bit of an issue, you know? So it's 30 years since the film was made. You think we'd have got a few more representations. Uh, Connor, how has Rain Man affected you? I, I hate it because I... Uh, probably have savant syndrome it's never been diagnosed but it just means it's an obvious comparison that i get socially um of course like i like to try and defy stereotypes and then so many of my behaviors can actually be uh, compared to that depiction so it, it, it's it's a blessing and, and a curse in some in some ways but ultimately um it still is the default the default depiction of autism in in I would say perhaps the older generations who who watched the film that came out at the time and have had that film in their consciousness for the last thirty years, um, and I really do think it's that it's it's become a comparison point. Uh, as the other two have said, it, it's it's not it's a presentation, but unfortunately to a lot of people it's the presentation. Mm, absolutely, I think uh, what you guys have said about it being the first thing that people uh, are going to mention. Uh, what about for you, Tylan? You're only 20, so it came out a decade before you were even born. But do, do you experience people saying anything about Rain Man to you? I actually haven't. I've, I've never had it been um, brought up when I've told someone I'm autistic, and I've, I've never actually watched the movie myself. Um, I Guys, there's hope. Let's, I'm a big round of applause that things <laughs> are moving on. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think if anything, I get like Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. But uh, other than that, I, I've never, I never heard of Rain Man until I heard other autistic people talking about their experiences of being like compared to it and stuff like that. Maybe it's just I think it's an age thing um, where I just, I just haven't watched it. I don't, I don't know. And for for you, Thailand, then growing up. Where would you have seen other autistic people in your music or in your telly? Or did you have any, were there any role models? Was there anyone around you that you could see yourself in? Uh, I feel like there was a lot of undiagnosed autistic people that I was just innately quite drawn to growing up. Um, Even in characters, there's always that like quirky, like, manic pixie dream girl kind of trope that they like to put in movies where it's so obvious that they're autistic and they're just meant to be like the quirky character so like Cher from Clueless even um who I thought is really cool like she's so obviously like neurodivergent um but I think there was definitely a lack of uh, representation growing up and I never I never saw um any autistic people that I was inspired by that was like openly like or uh, diagnosed or anything like that um I remember watching I don't know Glee and there being an autistic character but it was like kind of a joke um so there was never it was always kind of like the butt of the joke it was never actually like real representation Thanks for that, Ty. Dan, what do you think the impact is on someone if they, if you're looking at media growing up or, you know, you get your diagnosis and, you know, maybe that's a later diagnosis and you can't see yourself represented anywhere? Well, you, you feel ostracised from society, don't you? You feel on, on the fringe of what's accepted as typical, you know what I mean? So, uh, so if you're 
growing up and not seeing yourself reflected in society or you don't relate to people on the big screen or you don't relate to people um, on your your entertainment kind of uh, outlets, then you, you start to feel like, oh, God, so, especially when I was growing up, you know, I grew up from like, I was born in 86, so I grew up in like the mid-90s and, you know, it, you never saw any kind of autistic characters. So I felt really estranged from, uh, from from society. And I think that has a huge impact on not on not just the, the, how the person sees themselves, uh, you know, in their condition, but their mental health as well and how that can really impact them uh, and like, hit their confidence, you know. So it's a difficult thing to have confidence being autistic anyway, but even bigger than that, you know. And this is one of the things, actually, this is the main uh, key point of um, uh, the why of what I do, what I do on, on, on YouTube. You know, why do I want to be, uh, you know, a, a big YouTuber? Why have I got such a big YouTube channel? Because there are no, you know, when I started watching YouTube um, and putting information out, there was, there was no autistic creators that anyone could look up to. So a little kid who's, who's autistic and loves Minecraft, um, you know, you got Minecraft channels, but you got no autistic channels, you know. So this is one of the things I wanted to do is create a character that, that that people can relate to, and it's there for them to, to, to have that representation with. And I think that's the future of that. But yeah, growing up, if you have no one to relate to, you're kind of, you're in a, you're in a deficit of confidence, really, in my opinion. And Ella, you, you obviously have created Purple Ella. What is it about Purple Ella that really drew you to want to create who you are publicly in that way? Um, well, I guess I'm still being blown away by the concept of Cher from Clueless is a neurodivergent character because that was my favourite <laughs> film growing up. And I have never really, I've it like twenty times and I've never considered that. I'm going to watch it today and be like, hmm, okay, thanks for that. I watched a TikTok um, and it's it's very very eye opening. Yeah, I'd never thought of that. I literally <laughs> love that film. Okay, anyway, I, I'll answer the question. Sorry, Ella, I got I got I got to yeah. say, me too. I was like totally like what? <laughs> and then the whole the whole like dress thing with the computer, you know, made a computer program. I love it. She's it's a control automation. freak, isn't she? Yeah. I feel it's really bad for me to yeah, uh, admit that I've never seen Clueless. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, you need to watch it right now. Yeah, I mean, all the signs Paul Rudd, lovely, lovely Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, amazing. I love Paul Rudd. Such a lovely man. I, I um, love anyway. the way that this podcast is oh now God. being used to educate in a whole different realm from what we'd intended it for. Uh, but Ella, Ella, talk me through purple, Ella. Okay, yeah. So I was I was born in the late seventies. I'm super old, and um, and and there were there were no representations of media, and in particular, there were no representations of of media and people that weren't born as men um for me to access and so everywhere that I looked I found generally white cis men talking about autism or playing autistic characters and I didn't find me and so uh, because I have a history of being a performer I trained originally as a contemporary dancer and a circus artist I kind of thought right okay how can I combine my passion for performing but also give I guess a picture or a voice to people like me especially older uh people who were born female I guess so I started talking about autism on the internet because that seemed like an, an accessible way for me to start doing that which is how what I do was kind of born um, and I do get a lot of feedback from people saying that that is what they've gotten from my work so I guess job done. Yeah that's exactly what I wanted to ask you actually so the feedback to people being able to see you particularly I think for those assigned female at birth who, who sometimes don't get the diagnosis as, as quickly having those representations must be even more important. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there are so many um, people who are born female 
um, around my age and younger, right down to my youngest club member is 14, who are saying, I see you and I see myself and I see possibility and I see I see someone else who is experiencing the things that I'm experiencing and and reflects me and that gives me makes me feel valid. And I think that's why we need lots of different representations of audio, autism in the media so that everybody can find their share from Clueless or Anne of Green Gables or Belle from Beauty and the Beast or whoever it is, they can find them and, and feel valid. What, what would you say to this, Conor? I noticed you're like, yeah, I want to talk to you. So uh, for me, I'm so glad that I, because I'm 23 now, I was 18 when I got diagnosed. So that was my discovery point. And I didn't go to fiction because I didn't, I, I didn't want to. Like I, I knew that I'd seen some stuff. Um, I believe I saw someone in Waterloo Road who was also, you know, the victim of, um, I think Thailand something similar to what you were describing with, uh, I, I can't remember what it, it was. was Glee. Glee, yeah, Glee. That was it. Yeah, something similar to that. Um, and I went on YouTube, and the person I saw, uh, I'm, I'm very glad to be friends with nowadays. But yeah, it was Dan. It was it was it was Dan who liked Pokemon and Minecraft. Um, and yeah, so for me. I, I like the fact, like that worked for me, you know, that doesn't work for everyone. So I'm, I'm really, I'm grateful we're in an age where we are diversifying the representation there. Um, you know, more and more people speaking up on social media, but also, yeah, the representations are increasing. And for you, Ty, you've obviously, you're the first uh, black autistic person on our screens playing a character that was autistic, playing Brooke in Hollyoaks. What has been the response to you playing that character? I think that at first, um, some people didn't actually know that I was autistic in real life, which is quite a common thing when you see people playing autistic characters. Um, I got that quite a lot, like, are you actually autistic? And I completely understand that because so often... um, people are kind of speaking for us and and um, being us, but not actually, you know, being autistic. And, and I actually had a lot of people say that that was like the first time that they had seen someone that looks like them or that they can see themselves in um, on screen. And it, it just meant a lot to me. And I know that I didn't have that growing up. So to see people that are also quite young um, having that kind of representation and being able to be seen and like understood uh, meant a lot. I even had people that were questioning if they were autistic or you know on the in the process of getting diagnosed and they were like, wow, um, I'm going to consider looking into this because I really relate to your character and everything's kind of like adding up. Um, which is why representation is so important. Especially as you say, I know that um, Ella spoke about, you know, it might, it's white guys. You've also uh, got someone such as yourself where you've got all those intersections going on. You've got your non-binary side, you've got your be, being mixed race. You know, for, for young children watching telly or certainly Hollyoaks would probably be more likely to, likely to be teenagers. They may have never seen an autistic person of colour. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's quite extraordinary. What's the response uh, to you, Dan, with with your channel? What what do people make of you? Oh goodness, that's a question. Um, you know what people make of me and what people make of the channel are two different things, I guess. Because like I'm I'm a bit you know when when you're when you're when you're putting a, a persona out 
to resonate with an audience, as anyone who works in entertainment media knows, that you 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 mask everything you do. It's an act, isn't it? You know, you you put on a, a persona to say, "This is my performance person." How's it going? We're on the show. We're going to talk to these people. Everything's great. But then they get to my house, and I'm like, "Oh, I need to sleep." <laughs> you know? And so, like, so there's a there's a there's a huge difference between me and the show. Now, my you know, like you know, the, the biggest autism autistic YouTube channel on youtube which is cool it's crazy but it's it's cool and the feedback is really good the feedback is 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 two twofold i get the autistic people messaging saying it's really nice to know that you're so open and honest about the things you know so if something it happens in my life it's embarrassing or if i uh you know if i make a mistake or something because of my condition i talk about it i tell them i'm not afraid to be open and honest because being open and honest is the only way you're going to really show people real life and so i get that kind of back from the autistic community and then uh, the parents of, or the people who are working with autistic individuals, then they c- uh, come to me and they say, oh, wow, like you've literally just helped me really channel the, the help and support I needed for my kid. And now I've signed up to this program or, you know, they're going through a diagnostic process and it's really helped them. So the feedback is really positive. We get very marginal kind of hate comments, really, you know, negative is, is very, 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 very small. Uh, the only negative some people get, and Ella kind of touched on this, is like, oh, he's a cis white male, um, you know, but that, I mean, I can't help, you know, who I was being born. I just, and you know what I mean? What the heck is that going to do with it? I'm just trying to help people, you know, it, does, it makes no difference. Um, and so, um, but, but I think what it's doing, what it, the, the feedback is that it was needed. You know, the show was needed. Like Connor said, Connor found me. That's how I know Connor. You know, he found me through the channel and, and I found Ella because of a similar thing. You know, we were both in, a, in the awesome show together and Ella seen some of my stuff. I seen some of her stuff. And, and so it's needed. You know, we needed that kind of um, that re- representation of ourselves. And, you know, something that I was just thinking about when you guys were talking um, is uh, that there are more, there are more uh, ca- autistic characters being dropped into certain shows. Um, like the Daniel Tiger show, I did a, I did like a, I'm interviewing the, the character who plays the autistic person on Daniel Tiger, which is like a kids' TV show. And the interesting thing about it is that it's for kind of little kids, you know, like a primary school age kids. And that show has an autistic actor playing an autistic kid in it, and they teach the, they teach, you know, all about that and how, it, you know, how the play may be different, how they may not understand certain things, which is great. And I think more of that is. is is needed and i think starting at that kind of level is, is excellent as well um but it's just something that i just remembered that like they are trying to put autistic characters into kids tv shows now because you know we've started to see wheelchair users in cartoons right so it's, it's time that kind of like comes to neurodivergent people as well they had that in sesame street too <laughs> yeah that's so <laughs> funny connor was literally Sorry, about to speak and then no and then thailand said the actual words yeah, that connor literally. was about to say <laughs> Really? Oh my god! You you take it. You take it. It's fine. <laughs> you can have that one. But, it, but, it, 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 but the thing is, uh, Connor and Thailand, you know, uh, it is difficult to try and portray something that's so uniquely individual to every person who has a condition in a, in a broad show. You know, like so. Yeah, Sesame Street. They try. I mean, they may not have the best consultants, and they're trying. And the 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 the, the fact that they try is half of the battle like okay great they're listening at least they're, they're taking into consideration now let's work on actual representation in a way where it's actually getting getting shown um and so but with the daniel tiger one i think it was a great idea as well um but it's so subtle in that like they're not like they're not like loading him like sam from atypical uh w- which i <laughs> helped netflix kind of overturn that because netflix consulted me for season two and three of atypical because they've given this autistic character 
and they loaded it with all of these kind of like traits. Every like, trait, hey, yes. It's just completely unrealistic, you know, it's never worked. And so we, we worked on that. Um, but I think it's just that, you know, like we, we've got halfway there. And I think it's like the rest of it. But I am working on a show. I don't know if Connor, I might have told you this, but I'm working on a show with uh, CBS. I've written a kids TV show. Uh, so a kids TV show for autistic kids, because there isn't one. And so I've worked on one and we scripted out like two seasons and we're I'm working with CBS to maybe, you know, put that through. But again, we'll see how far we get, because as we know, TV kind of is so flaky with autism representation. Who knows? And there is Pablo. Does anyone watch Pablo, the kids animated yeah. show with all the different aspects of autism represented yeah. by like animals? Different animals right? I, yeah. Yeah, I like that show. I think that's pretty good for small so, children yeah so do I let me just get back to Thailand just for a moment because we're on the subject of representation you know the character of Brooke that you play in Hollyoaks um has got a really broad range of different things that Brooke is about. Brooke is not just an autistic person. Brooke is someone who, who's got parents who are splitting up. Brooke is someone who got pregnant. Brooke is someone who, ha- who decided to put, her baby up, put their baby up for adoption. So there's a, there's a much, we get a broader picture of Brooke than just Brooke's autism. Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask you, because I think that people sometimes struggle with this with you, is how like Brooke are you? Uh, that's an interesting question because I do feel that that I'm quite different from my character, although a lot of the traits that um, that Brooke displays, I also like definitely relate to. Um, and I feel like my character, as they've grown and I've grown, I feel like they've developed um their personality and the way that they see the world and stuff so they're kind of ever-changing especially like as a young adult like I relate to a lot of like the ways that they um internalize or like um understand things like in social cues and things like that um they're very like deadpan sometimes they see things in, in black and white, and I, I definitely relate to that a lot. Um, yeah, th- there are some differences, and I remember when I first joined, um, there was like a, there, my character was like, um, meant to be played, so I don't, I don't, I really don't like the term like high functioning or low functioning. I think it's really problematic but I think my character was meant to be a bit like lower functioning and um higher support needs I heard Dan use this earlier uh, and I've I've coined it straight away low support needs or higher support needs so it's maybe a little bit more I'm gonna start using that yeah that yeah that's that's a lot better I think that they they're higher support needs um but like even in that it's like I don't know, maybe it's more visible, but I think everyone sometimes needs that just to, just even if they don't, you know, look like they do. And um, yeah, 100%. I think that, that Brooke definitely had that. Um, I, I don't know. We're quite different but at the same time, quite similar. Yeah. So there's similarities. One thing I wanted to ask you guys then, uh, because you all got diagnosed a little bit older Thailand was was seven so quite young but you guys are a little bit older what concerns me 
and this is as a mum and also just part of our community, is the first place that people are going to go on when they're thinking about being assessed or getting a diagnosis is they're going to go online and they're going to look online and they're going to see what's written about autism. What can I learn about autism? And I'm not sure that we have nearly as positive uh, an internet as we need for our community. Um, so I'd love to just ask you guys, what was your first impression? Uh, I don't know, Thailand, because you were so young. I'm, I'm not sure if you would have a sense of that, but certainly uh, well, you can all answer. Dan, let's go to you first. What was your first, you know, what was the first thing you did? How did you find out about autism and therefore about yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I was diagnosed at 26 um, officially with um, Asperger's syndrome at the time because that's what the that's what it was. You know, the the lowest support needs was Asperger's syndrome. So I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome and ADHD and OCD at the same time, and I previously had dyslexia and a bunch of other kind of like attachment or the disorder, all this kind of stuff, right? And so uh, I didn't, I literally knew nothing about autism. So I I came home and I I was giving a um, National Assistive Society leaflet. So I thought, okay, I'll check those out. Uh, but for me, being like a tech nerd, I went straight onto YouTube and I was like, okay, you know, uh, autism. And I found nothing of any relevance, which is, is the reason I started my channel, you know, the reason I started what I was doing. So the representation, what I found online was very clinical, non, uh, non-personal and non-relative information. Some of the information would be relative, like, hey, you know, you, you have a an item relationship with objects, and I was like, okay, I get it. But in, in terms of like having a personal kind of somebody to, to who was blogging or talking about their experiences, there was nothing. And so I found I found it very. Uh, I found I was just completely lost. You know, here's your diagnosis. Get out. See you later. Bye bye. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. Weird. I hear that. Connor, and then what, so I, and, what, and then so I, what was I did it? That. I started oh. the channel because of that. Connor, Dan has just said there. He didn't really find any. He said nothing of any relevance. What was your experience? So similarly to Dan in the whole clinical stuff, I, I got the NHS website and a list of deficits I apparently had. Oh. And that was my first introduction Defined to by deficits. Yeah, de- defined by deficits. This is what's wrong with you. That's not what you want to hear. You know, the, the whole the whole point of, of diagnosis and having that confirmation is to allow yourself the opportunity to explore your individual strengths and weaknesses. You don't want to be hit with the these are what society perceives to be your weaknesses. Because this is the thing that we often forget as well. Many things that are autistic strengths have just been, um, are only being seen as strengths nowadays. They're always things that have been pathologised in the past. Attention to detail. Oh, they focus too much on certain things. Yeah. You know, the Reframe. list goes on. Yeah. How about you, Ella? What were your first, uh, what was your first insight? Yeah, well, I was diagnosed around the time when sort of blogging was becoming really, really massive. And what I found were the blogs of parents of autistic children. I am, I am the parent of an autistic child. And, um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to make the parents of autistic children feel like they shouldn't speak about their experiences. But that was my first experience. I wasn't finding autistic people speaking for themselves. I was finding the parents of autistic people speaking about their children. And and sadly, at that time, often in quite a negative way, because, because and this was not the fault of the parents, because that's how autism was being presented to the parents of autistic children as well. Um, and I And I also found a lot about children and not a lot about autistic adults. So I kind of felt like maybe the world seemed to think that you no longer be autistic when you're an adult or something like that. And that was confusing for me. Wow. 
you've just unpacked so much there, said so much that needs unpacking. Uh, Tylan, I noticed you nodding away there when they said on oh, the parents talk. Um, so I'm going to shut up now. What were your first impressions of being, or at what point, maybe not a seven, but when, when you started to realise, okay, I'm, I'm an autistic person, what, what, did, what, we, what did you first see? I think that at first, like, I, I, I think it was a very similar experience to what um, you guys have been saying. Like, I just saw the negatives. I didn't know that there were any, like, positive attributes to being autistic, or at least, like, I wasn't really taught about it because um, I already kind of felt like an alien. So I was like, oh, it helps because I know why I feel this way, but then at the same time, it just, like, like um, I don't know what the word is, clarified how I was feeling, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, that um, I think that I, like, I remember in, in school I wouldn't tell people, and then I told someone that I was autistic, and then um, I got so embarrassed that um, a couple months later, I saw I saw them in MS and I was like, "Hi, uh, by the way, that thing I told you before, like, I, it, it's not true." And then he was like, "Oh, yeah, I know," because then then you'd be in a special school. And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I don't, you know, is this? There's just no like understanding of of my experience, and it's just such a lack of like." education and even for me because I'm kind of like as a young child um kind of just internalizing what everyone's saying about it because I don't know it's it's so not it's, it's what, we're, what we're saying there is that they're not well I don't think anyone has said anything positive about the first impressions that you had and yeah. we mentioned that Rain Man is 30 years old. I don't think we can... And we've talked a bit about the A word. We know that there, there, are, there are programs with autistic people in them. Uh, can we touch on Sia making the film Music, called Music, and then using a non-autistic actor to play the role of an autistic character? Um, I can feel Connor next to me <laughs> chomping at the bit, so I'm going to go over to Connor first. We are no longer in the age of neurotypical people portraying autistic people. We're in an age of representation. Um, I, I understand the fact that that film had taken quite a few years to develop, uh, meaning that it was kind of 2017 attitude and such, but it was being delivered in 2021. 20, so it's, it's just, just quite simply, it's not appropriate, is the first point. Never mind when you go into the details of the, of the depictions. Um, we want to do things that challenge stereotypes, we don't want to fall into the trap of of, of yeah. further. And for, for you, Dan, how did you feel about that that situation with the Sia film? I mean, do you know, I got mixed feelings about it. I did a few videos. I did quite a few videos on it actually. And you know, it was very annoying because you know, I think, like Connor said, we're not in an age where we we need to have neurotypical people playing autistic characters. There's plenty of autistic talent out there that you could just pull from, which is a great thing because it would show a lot. And I get the kind of the the comparison argument. They'd say, well, you know, Dan Aykroyd, who's an, who's an autistic man, plays a neurotypical person in Ghostbusters. So why wouldn't it be the same the other way around? I get it. I get the argument, right? It makes sense, right? You just have people are people. They just play whatever. But it's 2000 and what was it? 2020 it came out. 2019 it came out, which doesn't account for the fact that, you know, autistic people have been uh, pushed to the side forever. 
um, you know, autistic actors are just like, they're always the bottom of the pile. It's, and it's just the fact that she took Maddie Ziegler to play, she always chooses for everything to play this character. And the way she plays it is so cringy and like makes me feel a bit inside when I watch it. I don't know if you guys have the same thing, but when I've seen the clips, it's just a bit like, I don't know. It just, it's off putting because you know, she's playing she, it's almost like she's making fun of, you know, and I don't know how else to explain it. That's what it feels like. And so, and I, and I back in up with what Connor said. Connor said, you know, it's, we're in an age where we've got, we've got hundreds and thousands of really great autistic talent pool to, to, you know, you know, talent, great actor, autistic actor. You know what I mean? It's easy to find uh, good autistic actors now. And there was no excuse for you to do it. And the thing that most annoyed me about it was Sia's response. And we all reached out and, you know, Ella's done it. I did it. Andy, we all did it. We all reached out and said, Hey, you made a big mistake here. What do you have to say about it? Rather than being like, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have. She just got really defensive and started swearing at people and saying, you're a rubbish actor and you don't do this. And I thought, well, that's no attitude to have. You know, like, like I said, the only comparable argument she'd have is saying like, well, I didn't really think it was a problem because, you know, you get autistic people playing non-autistic people. and blah, blah, You know what I mean? But it wasn't even that. She didn't even use that argument. She was just, you know, hell bent on, on trying to defend her image because she's, creative but it wasn't it wasn't creative and that's just my thoughts on it. i know we could go for hours talking about it but i think she did a very bad uh consult beforehand and that's my honest opinion from the research i found and i think ali would kind of like back this up as well like the the the, the consultations that see i had beforehand <laughs> were just like almost non-existent and the story changes all the time so who knows yeah ella what went wrong there oh gosh where do i start i should start by saying i haven't seen it <laughs> I refuse to watch it. My issues with the with the Sia situation were, firstly, everything that Dan has said, so I don't need to repeat that, but specifically her response to the community when we did try to educate her on the topic. Um, the images that came out of that movie, the pictures that you see of Maddie with her headphones on and her face kind of contorted were just not a very positive representation. From what I've heard from people that watched the film, it was a sensory nightmare to watch. So she created a film about autistic people that autistic people could not watch. And I have a very interesting theory because around the time that all this was going on, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, I think it was maybe Louis Theroux was talking to Sia around the time that music came out, but it must have been recorded before all the backlash. Um, And she talked about a lot of the issues that she'd had through her life with, um, you know, rejection sensitivity and substance issues and needing things to be in order and struggling with social situations and spending a lot of time at home with her dogs because she couldn't handle people. And honestly, I am not going to diagnose Sia, but there is a part of me that wonders whether Sia might be in some way neurodivergent. And this whole terrible situation that occurred could kind of be quite ironic if that were the case. Yeah. Well, so talk about educate yourself. That's why it's so important, isn't it, that we are able to go online, look at stuff and say, this is not for me. This is not going to be helpful for me. Where are the positive images that that we need? Now, I, I just want to talk about the last, let's say the last couple of years, let's say since lockdown, do you think that things have improved in terms of having more positive uh, examples of autistic people out there whose profiles are raised, even these people here on the podcast who've got YouTube channels, who've got big social media presence, you on uh, Hollyoaks, do you think things are improving? I think that we have a long way to go, definitely, and there can be a lot more being done, but I do think that things are improving. Um, 
I, I've been on, I think, TikTok quite a lot and seen a lot of, like, representation there and um, actually, like, learned a lot about myself um, and, and being autistic through, like, education on that app. It's crazy, like, what a one-minute video can teach you. So I feel like I've been seeing a lot more, like, representation there and, like, also been seeing a lot of, like, non-autistic, neurotypical people be like, oh, my gosh, like, this is really interesting and accessible for everyone to learn. So I think that in terms of, like, I mean, I know there's different forms of media. Um, that, for me, has been... I've noticed an improvement um and I I do feel like things are improving yeah um, you're actually the the stats on that are, you're right absolutely right Thailand there have been more diagnosis of ADHD because of TikTok apparently during lockdown it, it had a really profound effect that so makes sense. I, I assume that that would spill a bit into our autism community as well with what you're saying there let's go over to, to Dan do you think we're getting better. What more could be done? Oh, we're 100%. We are getting better. We're moving in the right direction. That's a, that's a way to say it. And I think, you know, ha having um, good imagery, like that's what Ella really touched on uh, about the whole Sia thing. It, like everything that was coming out of the movie was just saying like, oh, just people difficult to deal with. This is a hard time for you. You know, it's a, it's a diagnosis is a bad thing. And I think moving away from those uh, concepts of it's a bad thing and then trying to give it kind of a more of a, no, it's just a different thing. That's all it is. And I think that's, that's kind of like where we're needing to go. And it is getting there. Like I said, you know, Atypical, I think Atypical is a great series on Netflix. Yeah, I think they made a mistake with the first season of like how Sam was portrayed, but it did get better. And I think that more more shows like that are, are becoming more, um, how can I explain uh, It's more, no, the word normalized in the sense of like flattening out curves. Um, normalizing situations where you have autistic characters in a group of people because, you know, it's just a group of people and they're going to be autistic people there. Like, uh, you know, um, uh, from community, is it Abed from community? You know, just a guy who's got Asperger's diagnosis or whatever. Okay, cool. We're just seeing autistic people in, in general life. And it's not a big, like, a, oh, that, by the way, that person's autistic. It's just like, a, oh, okay, it's an autistic person. Uh, there's a guy from Greece over there. You know, it's just something that is just normalized in society. But I think... If we continue on this path, it's going to be good. But if we continue to allow people like Sia to put quite damaging imagery out and and changing a narrative, and you know, it's not only Sia. We all have a responsibility to do it. Some of the influencers that I know online, they're putting out some content which is quite um, detrimental to the autism community as well. In a way where they argue bitter about things and they say things that becomes negative, and it looks like the autism community is just this ball of angry fire rather than people who are trying to educate people. So th there is a responsibility on not only the community itself and the entertainment industry, but the people who are putting that information out, the social influencers. And I think if we continue in that trajectory of just putting information out getting more characters on TV, I think we're going to be in a good place in about 10, 15 years. <laughs> oh, I wish I, I loved it. I loved everything you said there, Dan, until you said 10 to 15 years. I want it to happen in 10 to 15 months. Um, I'm going to come to Connor last. Let's go to Ella next. Um, what, what do you, do you think we're doing quite well? How have we been doing over the last couple of years? And what do you, what do you think looking into the future? What do we need to do? Yeah, well, I mean, I would completely agree that TikTok has had a massive influence on the uh, growth of knowledge about autism, I think, because unlike other social media platforms, you just kind of get given what you get given. So you don't have to specifically go and seek out an autistic creator to be watching their content. And I really love that. 
Um, it's a bit of a mixed blessing because some information is coming out which isn't accurate. But overall, I think that's a positive thing. And there's lots of different representation. And it isn't all white because I think that's one of the issues on social media in terms of autistic representation. Um, in terms of television, I completely agree with what Dan said. I want to see characters who are just incidentally autistic rather than it being a whole show about someone who is autistic and their thing. And I think that's when we'll know that we've got there, when when the representation of autism is how it is in terms of what the representation is in society. If it's like one in, I don't know, I'm going to guess, is it one in eight? Is it one in ten? When we're getting that many characters represented and it's not just about their autism, then it will be integrated as part of this is what some people look like and that is what we see on our TVs and, and in, in media. Unfortunately, I agree with Dan in, uh, as well in that I don't think it's going to be 10 to 15 months, but there has definitely <laughs> been progress over the last few years for sure. Thanks, Ella. Connor? I think there's a massive responsibility with the big entertainment companies. Disney. I, like, I love Disney. I'm going to throw throw the blame towards them. They have such big franchises like the Disney Princess franchise, the Marvel, Star Wars, etc. Why is there not an autistic Disney princess yet? Yeah, there might be with Elsa. We don't know. Why isn't it explicitly stated? Um, Marvel, I've um, recently watched Eternals, which is a film which... Um, it, it, the main cast is of 10 people and the promotion around that has been like, oh, this is the first Marvel cast that is representative of the human population. Th there's no autism. You know, th that's that's the kind of point I want to be... Like, I will feel happy. Get to the big blockbusters, get to the films that make a, a billion dollars and then that is when we are truly in mainstream representation. But as everyone else has said, it's not the focus, it's just an attribute that the characters have. It's been absolutely fascinating listening to you guys today. I want to give my thanks to Dan Jones, Ella Tab, Tylan Grant and Connor Ward. I think so much to drill down into there. I feel like we've just touched the surface, but we can also see that we really do have quite some way to go there's some really positive moves and some some good good some good information coming forward but but there's still a lot more to be had in order to make it good for for all of our community including those who are coming into our community those little children that want to watch stuff on telly we need to have stuff on social media and on telly where it's proper representation thank you for listening today and we'll see you on the next one Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism in Conversation with Auticon. Just to mention, in terms of a community preference language, all episodes in this series were recorded in November 2021. We did our recording and production at the Strathmore Studios in Clerkenwell, London. It was engineered and edited by Billy Godfrey. Music was by The Lethargies. If you'd like to know more about the next show or would like further information about how Auticon can help, please visit www.auticon.co.uk. That's all from us this time. Bye for now.